smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Hello and welcome to Le Bourgeois at the start of a new season in Liga Uber Eats and what an exciting time it is for French football lovers. In the next hour or so we'll discuss an opening weekend that included a six-goal thriller between Metz and Lille, a hard-fought win for Paris Saint-Germain and a scintillating come-from-behind success for Marseille in Montpellier. We'll also be talking about a 34-year-old footballing genius that we are lucky enough to have here with us in Liga and Uber Eats. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am, of course, talking about the magic man himself, Dimitri Payet. Thank you for tuning in to, uh, to Le Bourgeois, the official Liga and Uber Eats podcast. We um, always welcome your, um, your thoughts if you've got any questions about the Liga and action. Um, do get in touch, league1podcast at gmail.com. Do rate us on the different podcast uh, platforms, Spotify, Deezer, Apple, Google, wherever you're listening to us from. But uh, we are going to start the pod with some potential transfer news as we talk here on Monday morning. Um, the reports are gathering pace that Lionel Messi could, may well, be signing for Paris Saint-Germain and joining us here in France to discuss Lionel Messi's expected arrival and what it means for the French game. I am delighted to welcome two of the usual suspects, Robbie and Dave. How are you, Rob? I'm very well, Matt, and very, very excited. Even if, uh, you yeah. know, it's starting to, to... Well, it's all happening very quickly, but, but it's starting to drag just a little bit. It would be good to, that we get it across the line. That's been pretty quick. Come it on, has, Rob. Has, I mean, Dave, Dave, Dave Crossan is, is still hoping for a late Newcastle bid, but Dave... Um, Maybe on loan with you, an option uh, to buy. I think that would be good. But yeah, I know he's out of contract. No, we just can't afford him. Fair enough. They've blown all their money on, on, on Joe Willock. And um, I'm, I'm delighted to welcome a very special guest um, from, from Barcelona, the Spanish football expert, Graham Hunter. How are you, Graham? Well, listen, if you're um, League 1 sponsored by Uber Eats and Bumper Graham sponsored by Yorkshire Tisha, I'm OK. I'm all right, man. <laughs> it's been a, you know, an emotional few days for Lionel Messi and, and also for Graham Hunter, who's been uh, following Messi through the years, enjoying so many sensational um, performances. Um, Graham, an, an absolutely crazy couple of days. Can you, can you quite believe... This is happening. A, Messi is, is leaving Barcelona and B, that, that we might be getting him over here in France. I, I suppose it's the manner, Matt. Um, so, no, both of the things you've asked me about specifically are believable. Um, Barcelona is in an absolutely atrocious state. Uh, worse, I think, than most people, even after they've consumed Laporta over the last few weeks. Um, what he's been saying, the way they've been trying to ship players out. It's the talk of the world game that basically, probably apart from Pedri, you could, if you were a Bayern club, take any footballer. I mean, it's ridiculous to say, but even Busquets, Alba, Piquet, away from Barcelona, and Laporta would have done a deal with you. <clears throat> That's been common knowledge for weeks now. Largely, they haven't been able to do those deals. 
which is one of the reasons that Messi's leaving. So Messi leaving, that's not an utter shock. Um, that, he, that he is likely to go to Paris Saint-Germain, given how hard they've worked for him, given that Pep Guardiola was never as much of a fan of taking Messi to City as the owners of the club were. He'd have done his, he'd have done his job, he'd have behaved. He's, he's always regarded himself as an employee, Guardiola. But um, it's not the time for Inter-Miami. They're, they're actually in a massive um, drama over uh, the salaries. They've already expended. They're losing a lot of games. Messi's involved in, in thinking about buying into that franchise, buying into the Vegas franchise. It's too soon for that. Going home to Argentina is not an option. He's still an elite footballer. And he made it, you know, once the tears subsided yesterday, he made it absolutely clear that he's utterly dedicated, not, not only to winning as many elite trophies as he possibly can before he retires, but, but overtaking his friend Danny Alves, who, who nicked another medal for Brazil at the Olympics the other day and is is the player with the most senior medals in, in the history of the game. Messi once, he said, look, at least I want to get near to him. But it's the manner, Matt. It's it's the it's the way that I think they've... And ganar was a word used, and, and that's to mislead, to cheat somebody in the press conference yesterday. And I think they've been playing a game with Messi, Football Club Barcelona. I think that the president has been dealing off the bottom of the pack. I, I dislike the way in which they've handled it. I dislike what's happening to Messi. I'm not a Barcelona fan, and I'm willing to cede the rights to 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 you guys to to have um, Messi in the city where you live and work because I've had my share, and I will hugely enjoy watching him literally just about wherever he goes now because my purpose has been to um, to to try and understand his genius, to try and get close to him, to interview him, to to thrill to his skills, to to literally understand just about every working week of his career at Barcelona, he's made my life and my career better than they would have been. So I owe him an enormous debt. I do. And I think fans who've thrilled to how he plays probably owe him the same. I'm not talking about dedicated Barcelona fans. And I think you will feel the same even if you get a season or two or three seasons. We owe him because he is literally life-changing. There aren't many people that you encounter in your life that have the power to change your life, your career for the better. And he does. So that to see him not just upset, not, not, not just the fact that he was in tears, but to see him treated this way, because I think there's been double dealing, is uh, 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 dégoûtant. Brian, <laughs> dégoûtant. <laughs> I love your French. C'est vrai, non? <laughs> c'est vrai, c'est vrai. Graham, what, what sort of Messi are we getting? We all, we all know Messi. We all speak. You know, we we saw his goals last year. We didn't necessarily watch all the games. Um, we know he's, you know, not prime. I think it's it's fair to say it's not prime Messi, but 30 league goals last season. What sort of player are we are we getting? Uh, the first thing to say that it is the litmus test applied by any good sporting director, and I think it's still to be proven whether Leonardo is one or not, is how hungry is the player? When you're buying an 18-year-old from Newcastle, or you're buying a 34-year-old Argentinian from Brazil? That's the first question. I think he showed how hungry he is last season in a team that he initially wanted to leave. Um, he made it absolutely clear 12 months ago, and, and he said yesterday, I was convinced that I needed to leave under Bartomeu, the, the last president. And yet he was forced to stay, knuckled down, got on with it, became the team leader, not just the captain, became the team's best player again. Um was uh, it, Matt, it, 
Rather than the verbal answer, if you or anybody wants to tune in to the second leg of the semi-final of the Copa del Rey against Seville, where they lost the first leg 2-0, they come back to the camp now, there are no fans there. They they win 3-0 in the most dramatic of games where Seville missed a penalty and was a late winner. And, and Messi leaping up and down, punching the air as with as much animo as he did at Wembley in 2011 against Manchester United, if not more. Could have told you everything you need to know the answer, but but the the last part of my answer is, look at what he did um, during the summer. You know, if you ask about what kind of Messi would PSG be getting, he went out there on on the pretty bumpy, pretty ropey uh, pitches um, in the Copa America and worked his socks off, having had no break at thirty four, became by a long way the tournament's best player. And won, not his first senior trophy, because having won the World Cup at youth level for Argentina and then the gold medal at the Beijing Olympics. You know, the Beijing Olympics is a senior medal. I defy anybody to say, nah, an Olympic gold medal isn't worth anything. Rubbish. But he hadn't won the Copa America nor the World Cup. He has now. Would you look at the way he played and you look at how much effort he put in, the mentality is is still frustrating. And when you get frustrated mentality, particularly if, if they retain Mbappe along with Neymar and Donnarumma in to, to change the competition in goals and Ramos in and Ashraf in and, and maybe more, what you're going to get is a Messi who is likely, I think, to make the difference between PSG being potential Champions League winners and Champions League winners. Graham, that's that's a point. Perhaps we can turn it to look at it from that way because I agree with you. I was at the Parc des Princes and, and in Barcelona for the, the Champions League last season when when Mbappe, everyone was talking changing of the guard and, and, and then we saw at the Parc des Princes, Messi's goal was just sublime and everything he went on to prove and, and the summer getting his hands on the Copa America at last. I think all of that was, was hugely important. Look at it from a, a Paris Saint-Germain perspective. There are reports that he spoke to Mauricio Pochettino that have just come out in the last couple, last few hours and sort of on Thursday said, look, it's all over. I'm ready for PSG. So in a way, he's choosing PSG as well as PSG doing everything they can to, to bring him in. Do you think it works with the likes? I mean, we know that Paris Saint-Germain have, all, have had the likes of Zlatan, have, have, have had Neymar, have had Buffon, an experiment that didn't necessarily work, but... When you say Messi could be the, the thing that gets Paris across the line, he's only ever played for Barcelona. Do you think there's any risk that there's a, a, an adaptation period, a settling in period, a bedding in period that could, could turn against him? You have to, I have to split, split your question in two. I think there's, there's no risk that, that there won't be an adaptation period. There will be. Of course there will be. Not necessarily in football terms. But um, in his general life, he's going to have to change language or adapt around the training ground, less so, because patently there are many voices that are either from yeah. his native Argentina or speak Spanish. And the lingua franca of modern multi-billion pound dressing rooms is the one that works. There are very few clubs now that say, well, you're in France, you have to speak French only. Now he'll, mm. he'll have to learn French, but adaptation in, in the sense of the training ground in the team I think is going to be, okay, not zero, but next to zero. Adaptation to, you know, 
one of the good ways to, to give you the facts to answer your question is that yesterday when the tears came, they came partly because he was looking down at his kids. He is, of all the footballers, football people I've ever met, he is the most devoted to his kids. The most, uh, the one for whom his, his kids are kind of his raison d'etre. And he was like that before he had children of his own. And he was, to, he was talking to me back in 2006 about his, his nephews, his brother's kids, for whatever reason. And I don't have an explanation. It's beyond simply, I'm really proud of my kids. I love my kids. They are his world. And he promised them that they were staying. He said, I've got three Argentinian Catalans. We'll be coming back. So part of the distress that you saw on Sunday morning, and maybe, listen, I'm amongst friends in this podcast, maybe you, you wouldn't normally be tolerating somebody talking about Messi's family, but I'm giving it to you as a, as a fact when the kids are unhappy or it's cold in winter or they have to go to a new school or, you know, and a couple of them are pretty pretty strong personalities, Matteo particularly. They, they, of course, I think there'll be bumps. There'll be, there'll be times in midwinter, I suspect, if he's had a knock or Bezheva had a defeat or whatever it might be, he comes home to, to sad kids and it's cold and raining compared to what life is generally like in Castelfels on the coast of the Mediterranean. Yeah, there might be adaptation and bumps and there may be some 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 moments where he goes, flipping Laporte, I, I wish he'd, you know, just give me a new deal. <laughs> In general, you're going to get a machine. You're going to get somebody who I think will, uh, adaptation. At the training ground, if he's not happy, people will know about it. It doesn't matter who they are. And that, that's not a problem, but it may, there may be adaptation from those around him, if, if you understand I me. Mean, not simply for Messi, I'm not saying he's a colossus who, who simply bestrides a move to a new culture, a new language, new climate without some problems. But, but what you can count on is that he's not somebody who hides or mopes. He's utterly, he's, his DNA is wired to, to winning, to performing and to feeling that it's mostly his responsibility. He doesn't need to do everything, but he will be integrated into making sure that the partnership up front, if they maintain Mbappe, which is a whole new question and one for you, um, because I think there's a real question now about like uh, what PSG do with Mbappe. However, when we saw in his career, he's had brilliant partnerships and none better individually with Luis Suarez. But when we saw Suarez and Neymar and Messi up front, it wasn't just three great talents. It was more than the sum of the parts. And I think potentially, given where Mbappe likes to play, given what Neymar does and feels about Messi, and given the state that Messi's in and the drive he'll have to, to show people who let him down, this is what you've lost. Adaptation, a little bit, yes. Uh, I'm certain that he has the mentality, the character, the power um, to take this opportunity, given that it's PSG, which we still have to have confirmed, and 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 make something special out of it. You're listening to Graham Hunter on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast. Thank you so much for, for joining us this morning, Graham, and giving us that, that fascinating insight into Leo Messi. Buddy too. <laughs> Been great having you. Cheers, Graham. Bon chance. Enjoy Leo Messi, you lucky beggars. <laughs> Cheers, Graham. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, I'd like to pick up on what Graham said. Always great to hear from Graham speaking with such authority about Messi because... The Mbappe question now becomes the really big question into the last year of his contract. He can't exactly turn around to Paris Saint-Germain now and say that they lack ambition. Already I thought that the 
transfer business this summer was terrific. But I'm just going to say something now so that Ian can cut it up and put it into the the trailer. Vinaldum will be a more important signing than Messi. <laughs> I, I genuinely not, believe that's that. Not, that's not get. That's not getting into the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm desperate to get into the trailer. I feel like I've been underused. Um, no, Mbappe. Uh, he is a different player to Suarez. I think the the way Suarez run ran everywhere in that front three. It's different to the way Mbappe plays. But they will find a way to make it work. I mean, do you get more than the sum of the talents? That was a question that I was asking myself about front threes having followed France all through Euro 2020 when it didn't quite click between Benzema, Griezmann and Mbappe. It's very different when you're training together every day and you're playing so many matches. And I'm convinced that it can work. They all want it to work. Um, I think Mbappe's got to stay now. And also what this whole messy business is proving is that there aren't many clubs that can afford the wages that Mbappe would command. So he hasn't actually got all that many options. So I think he should and will stay at Paris Saint-Germain, try to win the Champions League with Messi and Neymar, and then have another look at his career options. Um, I did feel that they needed to address the midfield balance more than try and work out the forwards. That's why I think Wijnaldum's going to be so important this season. I hear too that Messi's such good friends with Angel Di Maria that he's going to put extra padding on the seats at the side of the pitch of the Parc de Prince so that Di Maria can have a comfortable watch. It's not great news, really, for Di Maria or Icardi in terms of the amount of game time that they're going to get in the really big matches once that Messi deal is completed. Yeah, I reckon that comment uh, might make the trade. That was that was, that was funny. Uh, Robbie, um, we've got we've got a lot to get through. I know I know you're you're bursting to come in. Um, on Messi, Mbappe and Neymar. But Mbappe was in action at, at, at the weekend and uh, we have had a, a, a wonderful round of, of action already. So let's hear what happened in, in PSG's opening fixture. They were playing away to Troyes, the Ligue de Champions at the Stade de l'Aube. And Armel Tanguy, our good friend Armel, was uh, was commentating that game. It's whipped in by Sean Bost towards El Hasham. And the first goal of this game goes in favour of the home side and is deserved on the opening few minutes. It's Walid El Hasham. Hakimi again into the trois penalty box. Hakimi, wonderful strike. And Paris back on level terms. Ashraf Hakimi has needed just one game to score his first Ligue 1 goal. He's 60 million euros he's cost at Paris Saint-Germain continues to show the way going forwards Mbappe might take over that uh, relay baton though it's pulled back for Icardi outside of the boots and Paris are 2-1 up well 20 minutes gone here at the Stade de l'Aube and that's the third goal already seconds left on the clock now and that's that Paris Saint-Germain Take all three points away from Trois for their opening game of the campaign. Well, Robbie, PSG getting the points. It wasn't easy. Navas had to make one or two difficult saves to, to preserve PSG's advantage. But uh, an important win. And uh, we got a glimpse, didn't we, of, of some of the new signings. Obviously, Hakimi with the goal and, uh, and Wijnaldum um, as well in action. What did you make of it? Um, important to get the three points. And I... I don't want to start rattling off cliches like uh, champions know how to win ugly and, and all this sort of thing, but it wasn't 
It wasn't a flowing Paris Saint-Germain. I'm going to try and make le- less excuses this season for, for PSG, having felt that I that after last season I got a bit of stick for always referring to a lack of pre-season. There's been a pre-season, not for everyone, and Paris Saint-Germain is still missing uh, a bunch of players. Um, the arrival of Lionel Messi is going to change every, a lot of things, not everything, I think. But just to, to keep it then about, about uh, Saturday night's game... They showed a bit of character to come from behind. I think they were a better side. I think Trois showed that they are going to be a not a force to be reckoned with, but a side that that are capable of holding their own in the top flight. They played with they played with courage. They played with composure. They played with confidence. I think all of that was was good to see. There was a gulf in class between the two sides. Individual performances. Um, once you fall behind, to, and I mean Walid El Hajam is not the biggest. Uh, defender in the world. He was more or less unmarked when he managed to to head Trois in front in the ninth minute. Um, but Paris did come back. Hakimi scored a fantastic goal. Under Herrera was very, very good. I thought Tilo Kera was very, very good. And he's a player who's come under immense criticism over the last, well, ever since he's been at Paris Saint-Germain, really. But And most people expecting a move to Bayer Leverkusen for him. In the, in the coming days. I'm not sure that's necessarily going to happen because I think he, he showed that he can play a role for PSG. Hakimi's goal was superb. Wijnaldum, we didn't see too much of him. I think he struggled a little bit to, to find his place in, in midfield. Um, so we'll see if obviously that will change. I mean, he's getting to know all his new teammates as well. Things will change for 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 Paris Saint-Germain, and they will improve. And Mauricio Pochettino said it in the, in the pre-match press conference as well. Look, we need to get everyone. We need the, the whole Mercato to be finished. We need to get the Veratis, the Neymars, the, the, the Marquinhoses back, um, get their, their pre-season training under their belts and get them back into the side. That will change things. But look, a win's a win. And uh, I don't think really Paris Saint-Germain were pushed beyond that. I think they were deserved winners. Herrera was like Seve Ballesteros with a sand wedge, wasn't he? Some lovely passes over the top, right into the spot where you'd want it. Um, Vinaldum, why I think he's going to do so well for Paris Saint-Germain is that PSG have struggled for midfield balance for a long time now, and Vinaldum can play any of those midfield positions and is very intelligent. So that gives Pochettino the flexibility that Paris Saint-Germain haven't had for a very long time, and, I, and it's going to be great to watch Paris Saint-Germain when Verratti is back playing with him as well. and I, I just think they're going to be so much better this year. Marseille fans, um, do not tune out. We're talking about Marseille very soon. We're, talk- we're talking about the rest of the Ligue 1 Uber Eats action. But um, one last word about what could be an epic week um, and, you know, an historical moment for, for Ligue 1. I was reading uh, Vincent Deluc um, in, in L'Equipe this morning. He was describing it, you know, as 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 the, the 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 biggest moment, or you know, if Lionel Messi comes to to France, is you know, without giving away any uh, any in house secrets, Robbie, is there a buzz? Is 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 everybody talking? You know, within, I mean, you know, within the club, not necessarily within the team. How can I how can I put this, Matt? Um, yes, yes, the answer probably is. <laughs> um, yeah, look, everyone, I think, and there's no confirmation yet. We're all awaiting confirmation. But I think everyone has now accepted that it's going to happen. 
I don't think there's there's really much doubt left. Every, it will take something special for it for it not to happen now. Obviously, you would be naive to think that the club are not preparing everything behind the scenes for this arrival. Um, I'm not going to tell you all the all the things that are going on behind the scenes to make it happen, but but uh, preparations are continuing to be to be put in place uh, with the aim that the the deal gets across the line and that it all happens. But you know, who knows if there's not another club doing exactly the same thing and madly involved in negotiations and trying to to hijack what looks like uh, Lionel Messi in Ligue 1. I've, I hope from a Paris Saint-Germain point of view that it comes off. I think, as, as Graham Hunter just told us, it's going to be exceptional for, for, the, for, for the people that work at Paris Saint-Germain, for us, for, for Ligue 1 commentators, but for all of Ligue 1 as well. And, let's face it, for, for the world of football, because everyone's all... The, the only question mark... There have been two question marks over the entire career of Lionel Messi... It's his performance with Argentina. He's got that international trophy that Argentina have been waiting for since 1993 with the Copa America. And now, can he do it outside of Barcelona? Can he do it? And and we're going to see now, even in, if, in Stoke, in Stoke, exactly, on the cold rain Wednesday, uh, the Stade Francis Leblay against Brendan Chardonnay. Exactly. So can oh, can he do he it on a wet it. night in, in in Brest? If he wants. If he wants I think, to, he can do it. I think there's no doubt he can he can do it. It would be it would be crazy to think that a player can get to that level and achieve so much if he wasn't and Graham Hunter said this as well, just a brutally, ruthlessly determined individual who's all about winning. And if he's chosen to join Paris Saint Germain, it's because as well, this is a place where he knows he can win. I was sitting next to you at the Parc des Princes uh, last season when uh, yeah PSG went into their second leg against Barca four one up and we all thought uh, <laughs> surely you know we'll, we'll be all right and then when Messi just took matters into his own hands and you know hit a ridiculous shot from thirty yards into the top corner and it just changed everything absolutely you know the atmosphere yeah. in the in, in the stands but you know the PSG players also thinking oh hang on yeah we could be in trouble here and then thankfully for PSG um, he he had his penalty saved didn't he before before half time just to I don't want to misquote Vincent Deluc, what, what he wrote in L'Equipe this morning. Um, nobody go anywhere. We are entering the most unbelievable days of the history of the French League. So, you know, he didn't say it's the greatest moment, but the unbelievable is, 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 is an appropriate way to describe what, what could be well, happening in, in the coming days. If I days. can, just very quickly, I know we need to move on. Um, this, this news cycle and everything, and I, I, I know this is crazy. This is full on. This is incredible for French football. But we said the same things about Neymar, didn't we? We said the same. No one could believe it when Zlatan Ibrahimovic signed for, for PSG and Thiago Silva. this Silver. is bigger, Rob. This is bigger. But it keeps getting bigger and bigger. I mean, and is it going to continue getting bigger and bigger? It is. It's huge. It's spectacular. Um, Ronaldo but, and Messi in the same team. That's got to be the obvious next step. And Pogba. <laughs> and I mean, it's all, is it just going to keep, Keep going? No, it's it is. No, but it, but it Rob, is it doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter how many Pogba's or I guess Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo's a bit of a different <laughs> animal, isn't he? He's, he's he's in the same in the same Messi category for me. And I know we're not going to start the argument, but you know he's he's the greatest. And bring it, bring it on, bring Messi on to Paris. Absolutely, bring it on. Okay, well, we're going to move on now to the champions, Losk Lille. They were in action on uh, Sunday afternoon. A tricky opening fixture for Jocelyn Gorvenek, the new coach of Lille. They were away to Mets and David Crossan commentated this one. 
Sven Botman up from the back. It's Yazidjik. Chance goal. And it is Sven Botman, the Dutchman, scoring the first goal of Lille's title defence. Yazidjik's corner. Botman heading home to give Jocelyn Govenek's side the lead. Delen. Chance equaliser. Fabian Santons. The Stade Saint Symphorien erupts. The new Tribune sued. Praise their hero of the afternoon. The wingback Fabian Santons. There's urgency to Metz's play. Good stuff from Sabali. Might break for Nyan or Udall. It's into the back of the net and it's Matthew Udall. Metz's longest serving player. Two defenders on the score sheet. Mets have come from behind to lead 2-1, approaching the interval. Sontons, Sontons, great run from Sontons, and it's into the back of his own net from Sven Botman. Well, Sontons got beyond the Dutchman, and then as Botman tried to salvage the situation, he stuck out the leg, and Mets are now two goals up. Hadge, Santon's working back. The Hadge, good ball. Oh, and there, Lille do get a goal back through. Jonathan Bomba, 3 2. Oh, it's Ikone actually with the finish. The Hadge to Ikone and the substitutes combining. Correct, Yilmaz trying to salvage a point here. The Turkish veteran, Yilmaz still going. And it's in. And with the last kick of the game, Lille have made it 3 3. Burak Yilmaz leads the celebrations, running over to the away supporters. What a dramatic afternoon it has been. Well, David, a nice quiet game for you to kick off your Ligue 1 Uber Eats commentary campaign. That was uh, that was quite a finish, wasn't it? That was an amazing match. I mean, the previous game that I'd worked on was France-Switzerland. So, yeah, you know that if I get appointed to a match this coming weekend, it's going to be another 3-3 thriller. So... Just to let everyone know there, if you're interested in six goal thrillers. Uh, no, it was fantastic. I, I thought Mets really deserved the three points because uh, when Botman put Lille in front, it looked all set to be a routine away victory with Gorvenek having gone for continuity, which is the only thing that he can do really after Christophe Galtier took Lille to the title last year. More or less the same personnel with Leo Jardim in goal with Mike Menuel having left for AC Milan, but otherwise a very familiar look to the side apart from Yusuf Yazidji in central midfield, an experiment which failed in my view, but that was necessary because Jekka was banned, the man who scored the goal against Paris Saint-Germain in the Trophée de Champion that after uh, a bust-up with Thiago Jallo during a friendly against Courtreik, which saw both of them suspended and they really missed another central midfielder alongside Benjamin Andre. But full credit to Mets, so Frederick Antonetti's system caused problems for Lille's 4-4-2 and the wing-backs were just phenomenal. Fabien Santon's and Thomas Delaigne, and they combined for the equaliser. Santon scored a, a rather fortuitous second when Botman played the ball into him. And they were so close to getting the three points, even down to 10 men for the last 35 minutes after Cuyate was sent off. But just saw that will to win, or will to at least salvage something that Burak Yilmaz has. I mean, coming off the back of that horrendous Euro with Turkey, didn't have a great game uh, against Mets. But in the last minute, the 36-year-old getting to the outside and then the ball going in off of Kidja. And you just could see how much it meant to him as he ran straight over to the away fans and 
how great it is to see away fans back as well as the home fans. No, phenomenal match. It left me completely breathless. Mets were so, so close to clinching a home victory on the weekend that supporters were coming back into the stadiums. Incredibly, there wasn't a single home win um, out of the 10 in, in round one of the season. Um, Robbie, Lille didn't lose, but they let in three goals, something that we hardly ever saw last season. They were the, the clean sheet kings. Cause for concern for Jocelyn Gorvenet? I'm not sure it's cause for concern just yet. I mean, the, they're un, unlikely goal-scoring sources, aren't they? I mean, Matthew Udall, I, don't, I can't remember him scoring a goal. Great story, that one as well, for a local Mets kid that's come through the ranks and had terrible injury problems as well. So that was nice for him. And Fabian Santons, I think last year, he only scored against PSG, didn't he? Wasn't that his only goal? Of, yeah, it of, was, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, and, that, and that was Udall's first goal for Mets. Yeah, so so there you go. So unlikely goals, sources at least. Um, mind you, Sven Botman's an unlikely source for a goal as well. Um, no, look, I don't think it's cause for concern just yet. It's early, early days. They're, it's a surprise to see them concede three. Did that happen last year, Dave? I don't think that would have happened last season. It did, it, just, it did. They, well, they, they lost and they embraced. Was it 3-2? Yeah, it was 3-2 oh, embraced. That's right, yeah, exactly. Well, no, no, no concern just yet. I think more concerning is the fact that they, well, what will be more concerning is trying to, Gorvenek, and I said this last week, trying to put his plans in place when he decides to just branch away a little bit from, from Galtier's tactics. And, and that's where problems will arise. But look, early days, early days, no problem for Lil just yet. And Dave, just a, a, a word about Mets. I mean, they're showing, um, there are very few easy games in, in, in Liga. I don't think that's an exaggeration. They do have talent. Um, Pat Matasar is a, is a very strong, uh, gifted midfielder. We talked about Fabian Santons. I mean, he's probably in the best two or three right backs in, in, in the league. And it's quite, quite surprising, really, that, that nobody's come in for him. And the other big bonus for them is Ibrahim and Nian, uh, returning after his serious injury last season. I think he got six goals in the first four or five. Uh, Matches last term before doing his uh, cruciate ligaments. Um, I'm looking in Lekeep. He only got four out of ten. How how how, how do you think he looked um, up top for Mets? Yeah, he got a goal in pre-season uh, against Troyes. But um, after that game, Antonetti said that he's still not 100%. We rushed him back a little bit towards the end of last season where he made a few substitute appearances. I, I thought he looked okay. Not the Nyan that started the 2020-2021 campaign, but you'd expect that. And he's got to get sharp again. And they need to find the, the right partner for him as well, because uh, they played Sabali alongside him, another one of these Senegalese players who's on Metz's books. Um, he was all right without doing anything special. Then they brought on Lenny Joseph. Then the substitute got substituted. And they brought on Miko Tadze for the, the last couple of minutes. But So what they need to do is they need to surround Nian properly because we know his quality. We know he can score goals. And there, there is rumoured interest in him from some Bundesliga clubs. So I think if there are to be sales, it could be Nian and Santons. And that would be really disruptive to Mets this season. So I hope for Mets fans' sake and for Antonetti's sake that both Nian and Santons are still there when the transfer window shuts. Yeah, it's the, uh, the big problem, isn't it, for, for French coaches, particularly... Um coaches of those uh, of those smaller clubs still a few weeks until the transfer window uh, closes Dave alluding to the to the Senegalese connection Ibrahim and Yan following in the footsteps of uh, 
Papi Cisse, Ismail Assar, Sadio Mane. Of course, they've got an unbelievable record of uh, of nurturing Senegalese talent, and they have, they have that um, that link up with Generation Foot um, over over in Senegal. Um, we're going to move on to another thriller. It wasn't a six-goal thriller, but it wasn't far off. It was uh, Marseille's opening game of the season. They had seven new signings in their starting eleven away to Montpellier. Montpellier uh, lining up for the first time under their new coach Olivier Daloglio, and uh, I had the uh, the absolute pleasure of of commentating what was a cracking game at the Stade de la Mosson. Cosa, Andy Delors. Delors crosses a good one and it's in the back of the net. Montpellier strike first here. Didn't get a touch. Laborde goes across to Andy Delors. Montpellier's deadly duo. Strike a blow to Marseille. Why he misses it. No, it's the defender, it's Luan Perez. An own goal then from the Marseille debutant Perez. Space for Koza. Marseille looking on edge here as the cross comes in. Well, was it a cross? It has turned into an absolutely wonderful shot from Gaetan Laporte. Montpellier double their money here in stunning fashion. De La Fuente. De La Fuente. That's well played. The cross is good as well, and surely, yes. Marseille have got one back. Sengiz under. Opens his Marseille account on his Ligue 1 Uber Eats debut. Payet's free kick is in the back of the net. Marseille level at two apiece. Thanks to their inspirational playmaker, Dimitri Payet. Okay, well played, Payet. Dimitri Payet again. In the box, Payet! Oh, it's absolutely magical. Look at St. Pauli. Marseille were 2-0 down. They are now 3-2 up. And Dimitri Payet is off to an absolute flyer this season. That was a stunning goal. Well, yeah, I, I was getting a little bit excited, I have to admit, when uh, Dimitri Payet crashed home that, that third goal. But it, it, it was a thrilling game. Um, Marseille, I think, a little bit unlucky to be two down at at half-time, uh, Gaetan Laborde's curling shot. I said in the commentary, I thought it was a, a cross as he was just uh, about to strike the ball. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's picked out the top corner. Um, but Marseille, you know, they, they they stuck to their guns. They kept on going and uh, they had a lot of possession. They 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 played a fascinating brand of football that we're going to see on the Jorge Sampaoli with these three centre-backs who play very high up the pitch. They have uh, Sengiz Under who really hugs the right touchline. Conrad de la Fuente hugs the left touchline. Those two combined for, for the first goal. And then it was all about Dimitri Payet. And um, Robbie, uh, regardless of our different allegiances, you know, we're, 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 obviously, uh, we're obviously professionals. It's great to see Marseille um, playing swashbuckling football like that. And, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's good to see Marseille winning more than it is at any other team, but they are... They are one of the biggest clubs in, in Liga, and Liga needs a strong Marseille. Yeah, that, we're only talking about the last 25 minutes here, Matt, aren't we? Of the opening match. I mean, it, we're, 20, 22, 22 minutes. minutes. Yeah, for the for the first, I mean, I, I watched the game. I thought 
Marseille dominated the first half as well, but and were probably a, could consider themselves a little bit unlucky to find themselves two goals down at half time. Um, but we know that's also the strengths of this Montpellier side, the the Andy Delors, Gaetan Laborde, uh, Florent Mollet, Eli Wai. They played with you know four attacking players um, at home in this match against Marseille. But yeah, look, take nothing away from Marseille. They they. Things didn't quite come together in the first half, and but they were getting stronger and stronger. But once it clicked, and you get the feeling that the first goal changed things. The free kick was was a, a little bit fortunate the way it went through the wall, but you know that's a something that Montpellier will hopefully learn from for their sake. But you did feel the tide change, and that's that's something that I think Sam Pauli brings. That's something that is, I agree with you. Something that is suited to Marseille's. DNA, if you like, this idea of when things go well, we are invincible, we are unstoppable, and when you get on that wave of confidence and everything, and that's what we saw. It was, yeah, it was, it was entertaining. It was spectacular. What a finish! But I think, I think we'll be, you know, Marseille fans have um, they've been to a very low place you now in in the last year or so. If you think back to January when the uh, the training ground was being invaded by supporters, uh, they were desperate for a. For a change in the management, obviously Longoria has come in and replaced Eivor as uh, as 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 the president now, and they were getting results. And I was positive about Marseille under under Vias Boas, but the truth is they were grinding out um, a, a, a lot of results. And you know, I, I I do think it's it's fascinating. I mean, Dave and I had the uh, the pleasure of uh, enjoying nights at, at the Velodrome in the early noughties when the Didier Drogba was scoring and. Um, you know, it is just an electric place, an unbelievable place to be uh, when 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 Marseille are firing. And I think you know, I think Robbie's right. People will get carried away, and we probably shouldn't get carried away because there will be defeats. But it's going to be an exciting season, Dave. Surely under San Paolo, it is. And w- what do Marseille fans want? Uh, of course, they want success, and they've been starved of that for too long. But they need to feel something. They need to feel emotions when they go to the velodrome and. Uh, Sampaoli is the fit for it, isn't it? You could see he goes through the whole gamut in the game there. And the way he celebrates, the way Payet celebrates, the way the team celebrates, that, that's what Marseille is all about. And Payet, when he plays like that, he's just outstanding, isn't he? And I know he's, he wants to get the 100 goals, 100 assists in his league and career. I think that's 89 goals that he's up to now. I was just trying to look that up, actually. And um it says something about Dimitri Payet that I typed in Payet 100 and the next suggested word was kilos. Um, <laughs> but actually, I think he looks fit. He looks sharp. And, and that's only good news for Marseille. It'll be even better when Arcadius Milik comes back to give him support. And I, you said it in your introduction to this discussion, Matt, about Under and De La Fuente. I'm really excited this new league and season about the re-emergence of wingers. I know we see a lot of teams lining up in 4-3-3, but they're not real wingers often when you play that system. De La Fuente and Under really are. I love the way De La Fuente got past his man to set up that Under goal, and he's someone who's going to electrify the velodrome crowd. Didn't Payet look good when yeah. he sort of when Benedetto came on as well, Matt? That was that was important, yeah, and yeah. Payet moved back into that sort of left left wingy position where he also. Can can express himself. An interesting point in the second in the in the first half with San Paoli and that that passion you talk about. The the Montpellier club uh, 
give a prize to two of its season ticket holders of sitting on the side of the touchline in a in a lounge chair as though they've got the best seats in the house and they're at home. And the the lounge, the sofa, was right next to the Marseille bench. And when Gayton Laborde scored the second goal, the two fans, a, a, a couple, I think, a middle-aged couple, jumped up and were celebrating. And Sam Pauli went absolutely ballistic, went crazy going about what were these Montpellier fans doing celebrating next to the, next to the Marseille bench. Just fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> He's, he is quite a character, isn't he? And I, I, I thought it was interesting that they threw in seven, seven of their eight signings from the star, only Paul Lopez, the goalkeeper from Roma, not 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 featuring. It shows to me that you know they haven't just gone out, scattered gun, and brought in a load of players. You know there is a genuine plan. You know they bought players for certain positions. I think probably only Bubakar Camera playing a little bit out of position because he had this role where he had to fill in at right back and then slot into the midfield. You know, it's a, it's a very fluid system and Marseille, are, they do need someone on that right-hand side. They're trying to get Vass and or Lirola in. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, seven seven new signings. We said Under and uh, Conrad de la Fuente, they, they both had a very positive impact. I can't um, believe you got through this far, Matt, without talking about Arsenal low knees. I'm, I'm impressed. Is this a... A new you. You're not going to talk about <laughs> Arsenal connections anymore. I'm a, no, 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 no. Uh, Dave, you, you you jumped in too quickly. I was about to talk about the Arsenal loanies. <laughs> One um, of them didn't look too yeah, solid, no, I, I, don't, I don't think, Matt. William, William, Sal- or William Salaver, I thought, was uh, was outstanding. I thought he had one one moment against Wahi where um, where he got done mm. um, and Wahi shot wide, I think. But, I mean, I mean, on the ball, he's, he's, he's so composed. There was... There was that run up, up the right-hand side. He played a one-two and then got to the byline. Then instead of sort of crossing first time, dribbled and cut it back to to, to, to Benedetto. No, I thought Saliba was excellent. I thought Belledi did well. Luan Perez obviously had a had a difficult night. Scored that own goal and had a bit of trouble with Delor and uh, and Laborde. I actually thought Genduzi was was a bit disappointing. I'm 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 not sure about him on that sort of right-sided role. And I think the the other big issue is is uh, Giasson, who's the big money signing. Uh, Sam Pauli wants him playing a very advanced midfield role and he just didn't really see much of the ball, did he, before before going off. So, you know, it was a mixed bag, but I but but I do think it's it's gonna take time. And I think Robbie, you're you're spot on with the, with that comment about Pyatt improving after after Benedetto came on. Um Benedetto wasn't great. I mean he missed he missed every chance that, that that came his way, but the fact that he's a number nine um, just makes such a difference. Gives the team that, that focal point in attack. It means that Payet can drop deeper. And um, yeah, Dave, when you say that the Milik's return is uh, is is important, that is that is true. But it's, you know, exciting times. They got Bordeaux at the weekend, and then Nice. So some some big games coming up for Marseille. Now it's time for our Deja Who section here at uh, at Le Bourgeois. We love to hear from you and we like to give you a little uh, a little testing quiz to uh, to start the week last week's deja who the clue was i'm one of the finest trickiest players my african country ever produced i made my name in wine country picking up a league on title before turning a lot of suitors green with envy at my next club having been linked to a number of top sides i apparently wasn't sad to leave europe for the middle east but i did return briefly and unsuccessfully to Ligue 1, but not France. Um, good one. Good one from Ian Holyman. We had plenty of um, plenty of answers. You can send your answers as ever 
using our email, league1podcast at gmail.com, or on Twitter using the hashtag Le Correct answers came in from James Cathy, from uh, Frenchie from Detroit, who's now in Evra, apparently. Welcome to Evra, Frenchie. <laughs> uh, James Wescombe, who uh, says he is he set himself the goal of trying to get all the Deja Who's uh, this season. Good luck, James. You got the first one. Adam Cyrilnik, um, who said he wasn't 100% sure, but Adam, you were right. Pascal Finduno, the uh, Guinean magician, won the league at, at, at Bordeaux. He scored Terrific the goal. He scored the goal. That, Against PSG. Yeah. Yes, the, a the very uh, famous, famous, controversial goal. PSG allegedly allowing him to score so that Marseille weren't well, champions. That's the urban allegedly. Yeah. I certainly um, uh, don't, don't, don't say he that. He also won the uh, Coupe de la Ligue, didn't he, with L'Oreal? Is that, or is it my memory? Uh, didn't Lorient do do back to back? Exactly. Yeah. Fine, do know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think they might have. Um, listen, the bad news, Adam Cyrilnik, is uh, sorry. The bad news for James Wascom, who's who wants to get them all right, and I'm sure Adam does as well. But yeah, th- this week's is really tough. So, um, so good luck, guys. Time for Deja Who, a versatile defender who made his name in Syria. I then spent three seasons in Ligue 1 and I was coached there by Laszlo Bologna and uh, Ricardo. I played with Lionel Messi, Gabi Heinzer and Juan Pablo Sorin during my career. I also played in Germany, Croatia and Mexico and in my native country. Tell you what, not easy. Um, get in touch if you think you know the answer, league1podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter using the hashtag very tough so yeah not easy at all not easy at all so we've heard from uh psg from lille from uh from marseille was a difficult weekend for the uh the title hopefuls or the champions league hopefuls peter boss is uh leon side a little bit disjointed bit disappointing uh, against brest that finished 1-1 a brilliant irvin cardona uh goal for Brest, cancelled out by Islam Slimani. Uh, we saw a wonderful goal from uh, Kaldamin Suleimana, the teenage Ghanaian, making his debut for Rennes. Rennes were held 1-1 by Lens. Um, Robbie, you saw Monaco. They were held to a, a 1-1 draw by Nantes, having taken the lead through Gelson. Nantes hitting back through Jean-Charles Castelletto. Um, Monaco perhaps feeling the effects of their Champions League game in midweek or or not just uh, uh, too too stubborn no. to, to, to lie down? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was more the second option there, Matt. Nantes were just very, very determined. Perhaps Monaco lacked a little bit of a, of a cutting edge. Their goal was uh, superb, a beautiful ball from Caio Enrique for, for Jelson Martins. Um, once they were in front, I thought that was game over. And uh, pleased to say that there's still plenty of fight in, in these sides, uh, like Nantes, for example, who, who, yeah, were just so bitterly determined to, to hold on. They got a, a goal from a set piece, uh, Castelletto scoring a, a header, uh, probably, you know, shouldn't have been allowed that sort of space. But yeah, Monaco the better side, uh, Monaco dominated without probably creating enough. Um, Alban Lafont made a fantastic save in the last minute to to deny Aurelien Chouameni, um, which was about the only thing that happened in the second half. So Monaco better, but probably didn't do enough to really deserve it. 
um, hoping they will complete their their march to the playoffs of the Champions League. They have a two-goal lead um, over Sparta Prague. They play on Tuesday evening, the return leg in Monaco. Um, there were a couple of off-field issues in that match as well. Uh, Chuameni and Badia Shiel, victims of racism from the stands in Sparta Prague. So let's hope action is taken there and that uh, Monaco march in and then they take on the winner of Genk or Shakhtar Donetsk in the playoffs to go through to the Champions League. Let's hope they get there. Yeah, that'll be tough if they if they do get through. Um, other other results, I mentioned there were no home wins. We had five draws, five away wins. Nice nil, Rance nil. So a slightly uh, disappointing start for Christophe Galtier at, at Nice. Um, Saint-Etienne won. Lorient one, Strasbourg nil, Angers two. Great uh, first win for Gérald Batik, the new Angers coach. We were predicting difficult season for Angers, but that's a that's a great start for them in the post Stefan Moulin era. Bordeaux nil, Clermont two, Clermont foot sixty three are top of the league. They won their first ever Ligue 1 Uber Eats game by two goals to nil. Mohamed Bayo, their um, star striker, got the got the opening goal. And um, I don't want to say I told you so, but I did call them out as my um, <laughs> my dark horses this season. Claremont, uh, a really, really good start um, for them. Bio top scorer we had one, in Ligue 2 last year. He well. was. Yeah. He, he was. And, um, and interestingly, Bordeaux were trying to sign him before that game. And uh, maybe the result would have been different had they managed to sign him. We got uh, yeah uh, an email in from an avid listener called Chris Bray or Brace Brace. Um, he says hi. I am a very keen listener, a francophile. Plus, here in Buffalo, New York, we are sister cities with Lille. Now, uh, Chris says I was curious if you had any recommendations for books I could read that would beef up my knowledge of French football. I'll throw that one to, to Dave. Um, any books exactly you can blue. recommend, Chris? Ah. <laughs> I think Matt is a fairly obvious one. Oh yeah, Are yeah. That, sorry, I'd that? forgotten that. There is a book. There's a book out there written by some guy called Matthew Spiro. It's called Sacre Bleu. Um, came out in paperback actually uh, this summer. You sound like you did um, actually forget that, Matt. Just then. Very well done. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah this this was not prepared, prepared. Yeah. Are you going to start crying <laughs> like Messi now, Matt? Are you, are you preparing the acceptance speech when you win the awards? Yeah, we'll see. Matt is nominated we'll for see. Football Book of the Year, everyone. For when? yeah, I'd I, yeah, I'd say get out and vote, but but I don't think you can. So you just keep keep your fingers crossed that that, that I win that. But I'm very I'm very honoured to be one of six books shortlisted. So 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 that's that's good news. And there are other books available, I'm sure. Not too many <laughs> in in English about about French football. To be honest, Guys, there aren't I mean, that many in French. I mean, there is a, a rather sniffy attitude. Uh, amongst publishers in France that football isn't worthy of uh, any sort of intellectual pursuits, which I, I think might be in the process of changing. But you go into your average bookshop in France and there aren't many sports books there. Yeah, I agree, Dave. But I think it is starting to change a little bit. Let's hope Let's hope it's changing as well. Sport, Football and sport in general in France um, has for a long time been considered you know, the realm of only those that play football and, and, and do sport. Let's hope that it does branch out and become a, a, a across the entire society. Well, it might become fashionable if Leo Messi comes and plays in Liga, even more fashionable than Liga Uber Eats is, uh, of course. We're going to look ahead, guys. We're going to look ahead to round two of the season. There are some cracking games coming up this weekend, so it is time 
for us to go on a bon voyage. So coming up this weekend in uh, in Liga Uber Eats, we have um, a mouthwatering Lille versus Nice. It's uh, Christophe Galtier's return to the Stade Pierre Morois. That's on Saturday afternoon, five pm local time. Paris Saint Germain at home against Strasbourg could be a bit of a media circus around that one if Messi um, has signed. I'm looking forward to Marseille Bordeaux. Uh, I'm going to be very keen to watch Marseille this season. Uh, Twenty forty five on. On Sunday night, um, keep up to speed with all the um, previews and all, all, all the news in Ligue 1 by uh, logging on to our partner website, league1.com. Um, David Crossan is always very busy writing brilliant articles for, for that website. Dave, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I'm just going to spell out the website for people. L-I-G-U-E, the number one, dot com, um, where... I made my predictions. I know you did predictions last week. I said PSG, Monaco, Lille as my top three. So laugh at that when it comes to the end of the season. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go to Lille. I, I want to see what reception Christophe Galtier gets from the Lille fans. He did so much for the club. I'm sure he'll get a fantastic reception. That's a tricky game, isn't it, for Jocelyn Gorvenek, particularly off the back of the 3-3 the against Metz, because you'll see the contrast uh, and also, Nice will want to get their first goal, their first win under Galtier. Yeah, I think that is an interesting one. It's 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 not an easy place for for Jocelyn Gorvenek at the moment, but they getting that first trophy against Paris at the the Trophée des Champions probably did him as well as uh, the world of good, but also Lille fans as well to see that guys. There is no place to be other than the Parc des Princes. Let's 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 face it. If all if all comes off. Surely Lionel Messi is going to be presented at least to the fans at the Parc des Princes uh, ahead of that match against Strasbourg. I remember we were, I was there for when Neymar was presented to the fans before before Blaise Matuidi's last match for Paris Saint Germain. It was a uh, it was a, a special day, and I think this will is is possible to eclipse it. It's going to be incredible. Listen, I started the pod by talking uh, about a 34-year-old footballing genius and, and on Sunday I'm going to go and watch Dimitri Payet again. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree, Rob. It, it, it'll be exciting at the Parc des Princes, particularly if Messi is there. But I've been, uh, I've been waiting for a long time to see the Stade Vélodrome bouncing with 60,000-plus supporters. And that, you know, that's going to be the case on, on Sunday night. Um, it's going to be tough for Bordeaux. They've had a poor start to to the season, but I'm going to go and uh, take in a bit of uh, Mediterranean air and a bit of uh, Marseille atmosphere. Should be. If I can just do one shameless plug, since we're since everyone's plugging away, uh, log on to PSG TV in the pregame uh, Paris Saint Germain Strasbourg on Saturday night because I'll be there in English along with uh, my my co-host Ombre, who looks after all the all the French. So catch it there. There could be some big news. How's your Spanish, Rob? It's going to be quite important now, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, Spanish, not good. But it, it, I can understand it, having just been around Spanish-speaking players for, for so long. But yeah, it's going to... I thought, I thought at one point I'd be best served by getting the Italian lessons, but, but it's, uh, I, I misjudged. Spanish was the way to go. Okay, thank you, Robbie. Um, little message to our producer, Ian. Just um, edit out that, that last bit from <laughs> Rob. Um, it's, been, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> thank you, Rob. <laughs> Um, 
Gracias. Enjoy, enjoy what promises to be a fantastic week, an exciting week in Liga Uber Eats. We'll be back, of course, next Monday. Uh, until then, it's au revoir from me, Matt Spiro, and a bientôt. Bye-bye. Vamos. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Gotta be. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And Bagnon. Fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done, sensational.